Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host. Hello. How are you? I hope you're good. We are going to have a really fun show today. So I'm going to just real quick remind you where to find me. You can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com. And you can go there for information about coaching, to check out my blog, to send me a message. You can let me know if you'd like to come on the show and tell your story, or maybe you have a product or a service or a new business that I can help you spread the word about. Um, and maybe you'd like to um, support the show with sponsorship. Uh, so that is where I am. Okay, we have a very cool topic today about friendship, something that starts very early in our lives. And hopefully, we're going to talk a lot more about this with, with our guest. Hopefully, it takes us all the way through our lives. Okay, our guest today is Florence Ann Romano. Florence Ann Romano is a personal growth strategist, author, philanthropist, and businesswoman with a sparkling personality. After spending more than 15 years as a child care provider, Florence Ann, formerly known as the Windy City Nanny, is the authority on child care and family and village support in this new millennium. Born and raised just outside of Chicago, she wants to show people that not only is the saying, it takes a village true, but also how important the need for community is. Her latest book is Build Your Village, a guide to finding joy and community in every stage of life. With an eye for marketing, Florence Ann flourishes as both an advisor for and the vice president of business strategy for Yakety Yak a proud member of the board of directors of the Children's Research Fund and Female Strong. She is also a founding member of Sesame Street's Leadership Council. Florence Ann has been featured on over 500 national and local media outlets across the country, including Sherry, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox TV affiliates, Home and Family, The Jenny McCarthy Show, Sirius XM, and more. She is also a regular expert on over 10 national TV affiliates across America. And for more information, you can visit florenceann.com. We are very fortunate today. Florence Ann, welcome to Freedom for Humans. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me so much. I'm I'm honored to be here uh, and I'm so excited about this topic. And I can already tell that you have so much written on your heart about it as well. I do. I do. In fact, um, so I want to, of course, I want to talk about what a friend friendship recession is. Mm-hmm. As I was uh, getting ready for the show, I was reflecting that I've had a couple of conversations lately about uh, friendship mm-hmm. with um, a couple of women um, in my early 50s. So these are women in their early 50s and struggling with friendship, struggling with connection, lack of connection, or maybe there are friends, but they're not quite, they're not quite doing what we hope friendship does in our lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? That's a good way of putting it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Cause you can have, uh, I noticed in some of the things that I read, you can have a, a lot of people in your life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right people or that you're getting the, the village, the community right. um, that is so important. Okay. So let's talk about, um, 
the importance of friendship and what it means to a person's health and well-being? Well, if we look at what happened during the pandemic, I think that's a really good case study. Uh, You know, we all were forced into that isolation and that hibernation, and you didn't have to worry about connecting with people then, you know, other than an email or a FaceTime or a Zoom. And it got really comfortable just being in your yoga pants and watching Netflix and not really having to worry about working on your relationships. And then when it came time to kind of reemerge from this hibernation, people discovered, or I observed rather, what people were discovering. Two things, that people didn't really know how to connect again with human beings, with each other. Mm -hmm. And not only did they not know how to do it, kind of like newborn babies, they didn't really want to do it. And that was the heavier issue. And that is what I believe has led us into this, what we're referring to as a friendship recession. Uh, and it it's real, it's here, it's not necessarily tapering off. Uh, and so that led me to really want to dive more deeply into what connection and community means. It, you know, one of the common refrains that I started to hear was, I don't like people. Like I heard it over and over. People would say, well, you know, I got an invitation to go somewhere or, you know, I, this or that, or I could do this, but I don't really like people. You know what? I hear that even before COVID people, right. I don't really know a little too peopley out here. I think that's from the Adams family, right? People would say that. And I'm I'm like, you know what? Sometimes that hits home as overly, you know, articulate and social as I can be. I, I definitely need my downtime and my time to like recharge. Um, But I generally do like to be around people and do get some sort of vibe from that. It's a good vibration for me. But I do agree with you that people often now are talking about how they just don't like people. And if we pull back the onion there, what are they really saying when they say that? Because it's not just that it's not really that they don't like people. It's it's probably that they're spending their time doing things with people or surrounded by people that are not satiating them in the correct ways, that are not bringing them joy, that are not fulfilling them, that are not challenging them appropriately or uh, stimulating them appropriately. So we have to look at the reasons why people are draining us or why it doesn't seem to be something we want to participate in so wholeheartedly. Okay. So I completely agree with that. So if you're expending energy, which it takes energy, all relationships, I mean, friendships are not like, oh, we like, like they don't just happen on their own. Right. We have to tend to them and care for them. Right. Not in the same way, but in a similar way as you would a partner or a family relationship or your colleagues. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think maybe sometimes there's an idea that they shouldn't sometimes be difficult or they shouldn't be challenging or they should maybe take energy. And that is, in my experience, not correct. No, it's, it's such a lie and it sets you up for such failure, you know, to think that it's not supposed to be effort, anything in life anything in life, Kirsten Wright, is supposed to take effort. Anything that's worthwhile is going to take our attention and our time. Uh, And I also think that people tend to create perhaps a 
morphed idea of maybe what friendship or relationships or companionship or connection or chemistry, whatever you want to put it, or community look like. And it looks different to everyone. It feels different to everyone. And I think it also needs to be said that it doesn't mean that there aren't challenges with it. It doesn't mean there isn't ick that goes along with that. You know, mm-hmm. yes, my book is about building that village and building that connection. But at the same time that you're building something, there can also be the destruction of something. And sometimes we're sabotaging it ourselves. Sometimes we're burning it down ourselves. Sometimes we can't help the outside forces that are doing that, whether it's a divorce or a death or a falling out or whatever it might be. But I think it's important also to look at how often, how often we rebuild our connections, we rebuild our villages, because that then takes away this idea that it's all just hearts and flowers all the time. It isn't like that. This is This is difficult stuff sometimes for people to do. It's vulnerable. It has to be honest. Um, But what I want people to understand, though, is that it absolutely is within your grasp. It is accessible. It doesn't have to be this enormous lift. Um, So it's about really finding what it means to you and using the tools that hopefully I give you to apply that to your life in a customized way. Okay. So before we get to those, because I have I have I have a list of questions here that I really uh, that I want to ask you about. Can you speak a bit to so if somebody is experiencing a recession, which mm-hmm. a recession by definition is temporary, hopefully, right? <laughs> but it's only going to be temporary if we do something about it, right? Right? Like it's not going to magically bubble back to life. Right. Okay. Right. So somebody's in the recession and they're feeling um, just disconnected and that maybe their friendships have drifted away or everybody's kind of done what you talked about in the beginning. You know, they've kind of closed in on themselves over the pandemic and they haven't reemerged. What are what are some of the impacts that you see on people of staying in that recession? What happens to their health, their well-being, things like that? Well, I think we're seeing at the same time as this, you know, friendship recession is happening, we're seeing a lot of uh, conversation and a, a lot of dialogue about the epidemic of mental health now and how much that is suffering. And you had mentioned before that I I serve on a board, uh, Lori Lori Children's Hospital here in Chicago, and it's a pediatric hospital. um, And we're focusing a lot on the mental health of children. And uh, you would think, okay, you know, that makes sense for a hospital to be focusing on that, especially a pediatric hospital. But at the same time that that became a priority for the hospital, you also mentioned my Sesame Street work. All the content that Sesame Street is churning out now is all customized to for mental health for children and emotional mm. well-being. And so those those are just signals to me that we have to pay attention to what's going on here because it's not just affecting adults. It is it is cascading over to children. And oftentimes our children are looking to their caretakers, they're looking to the adults to be setting forth that example or you know creating that rhythm, creating that cadence. Um they're like sponges, they're soaking 
making it all up. And I, I, I think we're seeing how everything is kind of permeating. So for the adults who are feeling this disconnect, I think it's across the board, even to children too, who are having a difficult, difficult time understanding how to take care of themselves and how to deal with what's going on in their hearts and minds. And I always say, don't you wish you could get your brain and your heart to sync up? Because I think oftentimes mm-hmm. that doesn't, doesn't never happens in life when you need it to. Mm-hmm. So to go back to your original question, and I'm sorry for the detour there, but I just kind of wanted to lay the foundation for really how many different places in our country, in society today, people are paying attention to this. Um, If you're feeling disconnected, a great thing that I think you need to reflect on right now to try to take that first step into fixing it, because again, I can't make you do it. You have to want to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. But a great first step is to think about what makes your heart beat. And that always leads to philanthropy, I feel like. And philanthropy is a great way to figure out, you know, what are what are your values? What means something to you? How do you want to, you know, create a ripple effect in the world? But at the same time that you're doing that and you're researching different places you could give back and how that could work, you're hopefully going to be finding a new community of people that are like-minded, people who share similar values. And then hopefully you're going to start making connections with people because of that. So two birds with one stone, you're able to give back and do something I think all of us need to do in some capacity. And that doesn't mean writing a big check. There are so many ways you can be helpful in this world. Um, But I think that if you are, if you're finding yourself very isolated, it's a safer way of taking that first step. Okay. So to find something that interests you, that you care about, Mm. that brings people together, That has a service aspect to it. Cause I noticed you brought up services. One of the key pieces that's that you need to keep in mind when, if you're going to build your village, build Mm -hmm. your village or rebuild your village. Okay. Um, Okay. So you, um, I have this to ask you about, um, you talk about service, humility, and empathy Mm -hmm. um, as you're building a village. Can you talk more about the other two things? I was really curious when I saw that. Well, we talked a little bit about the the service, um, but you know, aspect of it. But the humility part of it, to me, is the vulnerable part. You know, I'm asking people to look inward regarding, you know, what it is that they need, of course, from other people. But then also, I'm asking for you to figure out who you are to other people. It's this. It can't just be about what I need, what I want, me, me, me all the time, because yes, we're looking for people to help, you know, fill in the gaps in our village, but we also need to figure out how we show up for people in our lives too. Who are we to other people? And in order to do this work, you do kind of have to come to it with a humble heart, knowing that you may not know all the answers, or maybe you're not uh, you know, fully leaning into the learning aspect of this, being the student. I mean, I am not sitting here just because I wrote the book th- feeling like I know everything about this. I fail at this all the time. I have to take my own advice constantly. Um, you know, I just feel like I have been in the trenches. I've experienced quite a bit where I can say, hey, I've done the dirty work. I can tell you what works and what doesn't, at least in my experience. And don't make my same mistakes. And here's how, you know, you can you know, hopefully have an easier path with it. Um, But the humility part of it, I feel, again, is important in taking that first step because it says 
to, you say to yourself and you say to others, I just want to, to be better at this. I want to improve. And I think that that's really powerful when you find that within yourself to want to, to, to know that what's working, what's, what's going on in your life is not necessarily working and you want to change, you want to do something and you're willing to try something new. And the empathy piece of it, you know, for me, gosh, you know, what is life if, if, if empathy isn't a part of it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? You know, people will say, what's the meaning of life? And I'm like, gosh, I have no idea, but I know what my meaning of life hopefully is. And that's to live a life in service of others in some way. And it doesn't mean putting, pushing aside anything I need or my wants and my desires, nothing that that's not it. It's just about figuring out how I can be helpful, how I can show up for people, how I can, you know, be kinder, more tolerant, more compassionate, all of those things. And I think if we're constantly working on the empathy piece of it, which is very different from sympathy, it's different from just being compassionate. The empathy piece of it is really trying to put yourself in someone's shoes and understanding how that must feel, even if you don't agree with them even if you have a difference of opinion, all of that stuff. If you can lead with empathy, I mean, gosh, could you imagine the vibrational change of our world if everyone could do that when they're interacting with someone, especially when it's like controversial or heated? Um, you know, again, doesn't mean everything's going to be hearts and flowers. You can still agree to disagree, but there's something much softer and more respectful about leading with empathy. And so um, this work that, you know, hopefully we do together and trying to build that village and build that community is rooted in that idea of understanding what it means to, to feel and to want to understand other people in a deeper, more meaningful way that hopefully leads to impact. Thank you. That was wonderful. That was a wonderful synopsis of how to center those things when you're putting yourself out there. Because when I think about humility, I also think about being willing to fully be yourself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to let go of any pretense because it's difficult to connect with people, particularly new people, when you have an when you're serving your image and right. not, you know, just kind of putting your real unique self out there. Right. And then for me, when I'm practicing humility, I'm also remembering I don't have control over the outcome of mm -hmm. much of anything. Because mm -hmm. if you're trying to control, I'm going to do this to get this. And I want this, I want to make this happen with this person. I mean, that's really not the way the universe flows, at least in my experience that right. like, if I'm just my real honest self, and right. I hold everything in an open hand, Right. The flow, the the connective flow is more open mm -hmm. um, uh, for me, I think. I think and that's so well said, too. You know, I think we all try to white knuckle it a lot in life, right? Uh, uh, you know, we're just gripping so yes, hard. Yes. You know, and I always say to people, even myself, be like, how's that working out for you, Florence? And is it working out that all that white knuckling and trying to get, I'm like, no, it's not. No. So I, mean, I should try something else because <laughs> this isn't really working for me. Well, that age old advice to just relax and be yourself. It is hard to do. Right. But it is truly kind of the secret sauce. Right. To a, a, a lot of things. Right. When you were talking about empathy, I was, um, I was having a little smile over here. 
So I was speaking to my partner, who's also my friend. Okay. So we're talking about friendships, but of course I have a friendship built into my, my partnership and my back hurt. Like it just was a simple thing. And my lower back doesn't normally hurt, but I did something to it. And oh man, like I spent like about five days, like every time I would move, it would like, and he, he just started to tell me that the the chair I was sitting in was wrong and that, and that, you know, he was doing that thing where (laughs) (laughs) he was doing that thing where it was coming from a place of wanting to be helpful. Right. But he was telling me you're sitting in the wrong chair and you sit there too much. And, And I said, I need some empathy, empathy. And he's not, his primary language is not English. And so often I will check with him. Do you know this word? I'll say. And sometimes he'll say he knows, but he doesn't actually know. (laughs) I'm like looking at him like, do you really know? And so we go back and forth and he keeps trying to tell me where to sit. And I, I finally just demonstrated. I just need you to say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, oh, and my back hurts. That's so draining. Or, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that and just give me a hug or something. And so I had to really break it down and say, I I need some empathy. That's that's what I need from you. And then, and then he came home from wherever he was and he says, how, how your back, (laughs) how your back. Oh, he's, but Hey, he's taking direction. You got to love that. I absolutely love it. And like, so I guess I just wanted to tell that little story to say, Sometimes we don't get what we need. Right. But if it's our friend or someone we're developing a friendship with, or maybe a friend we're rebuilding with, it seems, I don't know what you think, but it seems okay to say, Hey, you know, what would really feel great for me right now is yeah. some empathy like yeah. this. But you know what, Kirsten, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head about something. I think we have a hard time just as human beings doing, and not just like, it's not just part of our society now, but asking for what we need seems to be very difficult. And we don't want to offend. I think that's usually the reason why we have a hard time, you know, standing up for ourselves in that way, because we think they're going to th- take it as criticism. And then yeah. um, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be impolite. Um, and so I think the way you handled it was was beautiful. And I think obviously the, the, out- the outcome was exactly what you wanted. You wanted to have a teachable moment. And he took that direction, which not all men can do, by the way. You know, you're like, you have that <laughs> conversation and, you know, you're like, okay, that point was totally missed, but okay. You know, it's, the idea also too, when we ask for what we need, the delivery is key. Mm-hmm. How we actually, you know, deliver the information so the person can understand and not feel intimidated or not feel hurt by it. Um, and they, it can be, it can be an, a vulnerable opening. Um, I always say you can say what you mean and not say it mean. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think you did that very, very well, but translate this to friendships. You know, if, you know, a lot of people tend to want to be fixers, you know, it, they, you know, they hear you complaining about something or, you know, they're like, okay, how do I fix the situation? Yes. And yes. sometimes that's not what you want. You just want to be able to vent. And I heard it said once that if uh, you could, you know, say to your friend, you know, when you call them or you're talking to them and say, okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't need a solution. I just want to vent about this. So I'm just going to lay it all out. And you setting that up 
that's wonderful for you, but think of the relief that the person you're talking to has in that moment, because now they know what the expectation is. Have you been there before? Because I have, Kirsten, where you're talking with a friend and they are just like, just word vomiting all this stuff. And you're like, whoa, this is a lot. And I don't even know where to begin to kind of, you know, get through the ick here. And how do I fix this? How do I solve this? How am I going to be helpful? So instead of trying to figure that out in the moment, you already have alleviated yourself that 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 role that you can actually just be present and listen and then mm-hmm. the way you respond is going to be very different so um you know just think about that in terms of your relationships of any kind setting the person up for success in that moment with you so yes. you get what you need and they also feel like they're going to be a productive part of the conversation Yes, exactly. I have a couple of friends who will kind of announce. So I have a friend who will say, who will say, can you handle some negativity? Can you handle some negativity? Because I have some. Oh, I love that. Like she needs to needs to vent. And I'm like, I'm like, yep, yep, I can do it. I can do it. I'm ready. I have the capacity for it. Cause you know what? That's nice too, because sometimes you may not be in the mood to handle that negativity because you may have some other stuff going on yourself and you're like, I don't, I'm not gonna it's be the possible. right person for you today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's but and that's important too, like to be able to say, I'm not gonna be the because that's empathy right there, that you know the person needs something. Right. And if you can't be what they need and trying to do it is maybe going to cause conflict or it's going to drain you and make you feel worse. I mean, it can actually damage a friendship, sure, right? If you don't make those things, make those things pretty clear. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, that example that I gave, he he did, and he's he's like, why am I, why am I doing wrong? Why am I doing wrong? I'm like, oh. you're not. I Yeah, I know. And so exactly what you're talking about, like, you don't want to offend. You don't want to. And I said, you know, it is totally fine for you to make some suggestions and some observations that might be helpful to me, which is what he was trying to do. I said, before that, I need some empathy. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, it can be a multiple. There can be exactly. multiple pieces to the sentences. You know, I mean, it can start with, oh man, that stinks. And then do you think maybe the chair you're sitting in isn't like, you know, the best for your back? I mean, it could, you go, but just, just that preface <laughs> makes a lot of difference. Exactly. Know? Exactly. He was quite, beings. he was quite right. He was quite yeah. right. That quite was the right. other thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's also hard yeah. too. And you're like, yeah. yeah, you probably are right right now, but I don't want to talk about how right you are. I want to no. talk about my back hurts. <laughs> my back hurts. Can you just rub it for me or, you know, give me a heating pad? Exactly. Or what she did. She did that as well. So, you know, this, uh, this idea that you can have that type of calm, thoughtful communication and not allow your emotions to get triggered in a way right. that, yeah, right. create an outcome that is not uh, what we want when we're trying to build our friendships. Okay. We are going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I, w- I want to ask you about the um, types of villagers um, that we might be looking for Let's when we're building our village. Okay. You're listening to Freedom for Humans and we will be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? 
Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at GiraffeTangoOctopus.com. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, and I am talking to Florence and Romano about the friendship recession and how to build a village. And in her book, Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in Every Stage of Life, she talks about the the six types of villagers because I, it, before I um, w- went to your book, I was thinking, well, how do you know, like, how do you know who you're looking <laughs> for and, and how do you know how to kind of create this um, kind of fulfilling, connected uh, village? So I would love to talk about the types of oh. villagers. The reason I really wanted to create these archetypes was because I think the it's kind of a nebulous idea when you're talking about community and like the people that you need in your life. And I, I started thinking probably back to my theater roots. Um, I was thinking about like casting those roles like a movie or a play. Hmm. And that to me felt like more visual. I'm a visual learner. So I said, okay, I want to create Yeah, six. I like that. That's cool. Right. You know, let's cast the play, the play of our lives, the movie of our lives. We're going to cast those main characters. And so uh, hopefully that helps people understand what we're doing and what the exercise is. And of course, there's caveats to this and we can get into that. But the six that I created, hopefully, you know, run the gamut in terms of uh, enough uh, enough space, enough, you know, generality, uh, but then also enough specificity. So, you know, the, the happy medium medium there, um, as much as an oxymoron as that may sound like, but, um, so accepting dependable cheerleader, communicator, organizer, and healer. Now I'm going to stop there, Kirsten, because every time I do this, people are, I can already see like on your face, you're, starting to cast those roles without me even telling you what my definition of those people are. That's usually what happens because, you know, there's some context clue to, to kind of maybe what you think, you know, those people are. Um, and, and that's the point is for you to really, you know, once you start like looking into those six archetypes, really start to think about who in your life fits in there. So I won't get into all the definitions of all of them, but let's use the healer as an example here that will illustrate. 
So the healer in in my mind is the person that walks next to you through it in life. Whatever the it is, they are walking next to you. They are not there to solve your problems. They are not there to fix it. They are there just to walk next to you through it. They're like that North Star for you. And I think that's a very important note about the people you have in your life. You cannot look at any of these six archetypes just like you would look at anyone in your life and think that's going, that person's going to solve all my problems. That person is going to make me happy. You know, we can't look to other people to make us happy. We have to do that for ourselves. We can look to other people to enhance our happiness, to add to our happiness. But that's also an important disclaimer here. You're not looking at these six archetypes as if I have these six people, then that's it then I am going to be fully whole. And if I don't have these six people, then I'm not whole. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so lonely or I'm so unlovable, or it starts to go into, you know, a lot of other thoughts that can be sometimes destructive. Mm -hmm. The point of village and community is to hopefully support you through different times of your life in different ways, but it is not the cure-all. You still have to do work for yourself in order to make these relationships work and also understand that you also have to figure out how you are showing up for other people. To me, that is an enormous piece of this. You cannot know what you need unless you know yourself Mm -hmm. and unless you also take time to figure out that reflection and that self-evaluation of who you are to other people. You have to do both those things. Um, it's interesting. Um, you went to the healer. Uh, I was thinking about, uh, as I was uh, reading some of your material earlier, um, I had a little friendship recession in middle school, Ugh, mm-hmm. which maybe lots of people do. Like, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah that's a hard time. time. It's yeah. a hard time. And I just found myself without, without any friends, like all the friends I had grown up with just sort of receded, I guess. That's a, like, who knows why, our relationship. Sorry though. That's hard. That's hard. It was very hard. I spent this yeah. very lonely summer. Mm. And um, so I'm there and I'm lonely and I'm listening to Prince. Yes, oh. that's what that's how I got through it. <laughs> that's how I got through it. Listen to Prince. Um, but there was this girl that I had met right at the end of the prior school year. And I we didn't really know each other. We had a class together, we went on a field trip, but she she just she was sparkly and she caught my eye. And I was curious about her. We had a couple of minor interactions sort of at the end of the year. And I I just kept thinking about her. And so I'm kind of going back to the sort of the humility and the vulnerability part. This was back in the day. So I got in the phone book and I found her last name and I called and it was her grandparents. And then they gave me the number to call her actual house with the answering machine, the whole thing. <laughs> and while I'm doing this, I'm scared. And I'm having to be the humility and the complete vulnerability to basically just reach out to somebody that I think I want to be friends with to do something about this lonely place that I was in. And of course, the voice is saying, you know, she's probably has so many friends and she has many, many important things to do. And she's probably not home and she probably is just doesn't have any time for you and blah, 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 you know, all the things that we say, even as adults even as adults. Yeah. Right. That voice comes up. So, Mm -hmm. uh, she called me right back and we hung out right away and we were inseparable. 
And I love that. Yes. It, it, it's, a chance. It, it's, I mean, to this day, it is one of the great loves of my life. Oh. This, I mean, truly. And, you know, we, our lives have gone in all different directions and we've had periods where we didn't see each other. And then a few years ago, I went through something difficult that preceded me really changing my whole life, but I was pretty wounded. Yeah. And I went to her and I went to her farm, uh, with, with her now husband and her animals. And we were sitting on the bed before I left. And I said, you are a healer. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. I know it. And it, just like you said, it wasn't, nobody fixed anything, right? Nobody solved anything. It wasn't about that at all. She just is a healer. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt, I remember saying to her, I feel like everything is going to be okay now. But isn't that, isn't that sometimes just the only thing we need? We don't need someone to fix it. We just need to feel like we're not alone in it. Exactly. And I love, love, love that story. I also love how time doesn't matter in that friendship, you know, that, you know, you can go home, that that's a, that's a, that's a place of home for you. Yes. Um, And, and I, I think about all the different healers in my life that I have that come in and out at different times. But I think an important disclaimer about that too, is we all have different friends for different reasons. Not every friend has the capacity to be a healer, but they could be the best dependable villager or the best accepting villager. And that's why it's nice to not put everything on one person uh, because it alleviates them again of the pressure of having to be everything to you, but also gives you the opportunity to connect with different people for different reasons because- Mm -hmm. It's like a labyrinth. It's a beautiful mosaic, you know, and you think about the people that you have in your life and you learn and you kind of, you know, create this mosaic in yourself and you take pieces of that that mosaic out as you need it, as you've learned, as you've done things, you know, as you've experienced things with people. Um, But I I love the idea that I I think that the common denominator here with, with all six of these archetypes, truthfully, is you're being seen mm-hmm. for for who you are and what you for, need for and who you are your true I, self your true self and and the only way you get there again going back to that humility or going back to that vulnerability or that honesty is by doing that that soul searching is by doing the work and and also an important thing too to understand is sometimes as you're doing this work trying to find these people for your village as you're looking at what you'd consider like the low hanging fruit who who's currently you know cast in these roles or who's currently in your ecosystem um sometimes you figure out the wrong people are sitting in the wrong seats and maybe some people need to also be fired, you know, Mm -hmm. that those relationships aren't working for you anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And that also is honest work and vulnerable work and, Mm -hmm. and, and and work that takes humility uh, and not also easy. That can be difficult. I, I, I feel like when I, when I think about a village and I think about these different archetypes, it makes me wonder about the concept of a best friend and how Mm -hmm. much pressure there might be to not only to have one, if maybe you don't, because I've heard that, like I just, you know, when people are like, well, I don't have a best friend and 
Like there's this idea that if you have what we call a best friend, right. that they they're everything, that right. they cover all the bases. Right. I don't think that's possible. I mean, best friend again, you know, that that term, you know, it, I don't think it even should mean that they 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 are everything to you. I think it's and I'm trying to think of like my best friend. I I have a few besties, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and they all play different roles in my life. Um but my true like best best friend, it's not that she and I are like carbon copies of each other. Like it's not even that. We still have differences. It's just that the the way the soul speaks to each other, I suppose, you know, whatever that is, that that's what connects us. And that's what I think makes her my best friend. Um, but I guess people should be careful about thinking that your best friend is literally just an, the identical is identical to you mm-hmm. and like not what you look like, but like in on the inside. And I don't think that's what it is. I, 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 th- I think it depends on on you know, that's a difficult, that's difficult to define. You can, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a best friend. Um, but again, I think be, be careful thinking that in order to have a best friend, that means that they have to be you. Right. Or that that's all you need that, that if you have one that you, that you don't need a broader community connections because nobody can be everything to anyone. No, I mean, there's the friend that you, you know, want to go out and have a wild night with because you need to let loose. There's the friend that's going to give you the tough love. There's the friend that, um, you know, is is going to be the one that's going to, you know, come over when you're sick because they're not afraid of germs, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, there's there's a friend for everything, you know, and sometimes one friend may have out of a hundred qualities, maybe they have 98 of them and that's great. Maybe that's why they're your best friend, but you, maybe the couple that are missing there, it's, it's in a next door neighbor, you know, that, you know, helps you, uh, you know, with carpool with your kids and you depend on them greatly. And they're someone you trust greatly, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? I mean, so again, yeah, don't, don't, I, you know, don't limit yourself in that way. You can certainly have a best friend, but don't think it just, if you don't, if you're, only have that person, then you're cheating on them by being friends with other people. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, you have to be, yes. you know, an exclusive, you know, isolating relationship. It shouldn't be. How does one decide? Um, Cause there's rebuilding, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you've gone into recession right. and you had a village and as right. you mentioned, uh, maybe some of these roles were were filled, or maybe all of them were filled, and maybe there was extra people sitting in the chairs that maybe you know, maybe that you don't want them to be right. part of your village. Um, so, do you suggest rebuilding or building a new, or some combination of those approaches? It, it could be a combination, but I think when I talk about rebuilding the village for whatever reason, like let's use an example. Um, so my parents, uh, so they uh, they were married for 40 years before they got divorced. They've been, and they've been divorced almost four years now. And my dad said to me, you know, what I didn't realize was all of my relationships with, you know, friends and things like that really were wrapped up in your mom. And, uh, you know, and that's very common, very common that, you know, one, one, 
one half is, you know, kind of the holder of the social calendar, perhaps. And, you know, he said he read my book a few times and was like, gosh, I really need to build my village. I really need to find these people. And um, as as you are rebuilding, I think also, too, for him especially, he was looking at the people that were left, the people that were a part of his life for how many years or what for whatever ways through business, whatever it might be, and realized also, too, that those relationships maybe didn't really fit anymore. Maybe he's mm-hmm. outgrown them or maybe they don't have as much in common no major problem. It's just their lives have gone, gone different ways. So filling those, those roles that someone else, you know, had for a long time with someone new, that's kind of a recasting, which I think is fine. Um, but then also realizing too, in some of those relationships that they, that person has maybe changed in ways that just don't align anymore with him. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's a disconnect, but then also maybe a, a respect issue. Don't respect maybe how they're they're mm-hmm. currently living their life or whatever it may be. So again, a, 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 a rebuilding there, a recasting there. And I also did talk to him about the fact that there were certain roles of those six archetypes that he's never had. He's never oh. really had like a other than, you know, my mom, you know, filled a lot of those archetypes for him. Um, but he didn't necessarily know how to to define or find in his current circle who really was like the the accepting villager necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a soul searching moment for him, you know, and also like, who is he today? You know, if he was doing this work as a 20 something year old, but now as a 70 something year old, you know, how you want to be viewed in your life or how you want to be um, regarded or valued is going to be very different, um, you know, from mm-hmm. when you were, you know, much younger. So, uh, all that to be said, you know, I'm using an example there of someone, you know, who is rebuilding parts of their life in, in their early seventies. Um, and is, you, you know, it's very much struggling with that. Um, because he feels like he lost a lot of what he depended on, but also realized, and here's an important note, that he didn't put in the effort the same way my mom did into those relationships. Ah. So knowing that now he has to be more active in these friendships and more dependable himself and and more invested himself in these relationships because now he sees that the one putting in the work and why she still gets to have those relationships is because she was the one that nourished them in the first place. Wow. Even though that's probably painful, what a what a wonderful thing to learn, right? Uh, and, from what he know that you can correct that now. Yes, it's not that's late for him to change how he interacts with people. Exactly, and also I would guess it will be in a way more fulfilling to be. You would hope so. Yeah, more connected and to put more energy and to be more engaged. Right. With yeah, with the friendships he's building or rebuilding. Um, so you offer some, some, um, we have, uh, we have about seven minutes left. I want to make sure we get to some practical, uh-huh. uh, strategies because you give some, uh, practical strategies for a variety of different people, um, at a variety of different stages in their lives. Right. Um, so do you want to talk through some of those, uh, well, suggestions? Sure. I mean, you go through a lot of different things in your life and, you know, again, it's, it's about the seasons, you know, you don't want to feel like you 
have to try the same things over and over again, you know, as you get older, even though there's some, there's some overlap to it, but let's take some categories. So like if you're in college, college Mm -hmm. can be, college can be difficult for, you know, a difficult Mm -hmm. transition for some people. And, um, you know, attending different events at your school on campus and figuring out again, what means something to you? What, what's an organization maybe that represents similar values to you? Um, and, and, and joining, um, and really being a part of it. Um, and also understanding the idea of this empathy effect that I've, I've talked about, you know, this, this idea of kindness that is sparking something in you and volunteering or service groups, things like that. That's also a great way in college to get involved. If you don't want to join like a sorority or like a, you know, a a Mm -hmm. very, um, uh, or a fraternity or a, a, a very regimented club or something like that single, divorced, dating again, you know, I even have to take my own advice sometimes with this because I hate it. I I am single and I know that I actually have to put effort into it. And sometimes I'm like, nope, don't want to exhausted by it. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I, I get one out there, right. Who struggles with that. You know, mm-hmm. I do try to do like 10 minutes of scrolling on a dating app just so I can like dip my toe in the water and make sure I feel like I'm doing something about it or letting people know that I'm friends with, that I'm actually actively looking and that I would love to be set up or something like that. So I'm actually putting it out there and letting people know I'm open to it. Um, The work scene is very different today. I have to say, Kirsten, after COVID, because so many people are working remotely now, you don't have the same connection at work that you did before. Um, But just because you don't doesn't mean you can't put an effort in to actually create those connections. So doing a happy hour or, you know, reaching out to people in a department maybe that you don't work in all the time and getting to know them a little bit better and saying, hey, I only see you in meetings. It would be great to, you know, grab a cup of coffee in person because I feel like, you know, it would be great to um, just be able to get to know you on a, on a on a deeper level than just, you know, that weekly staff meeting or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, so looking for people that aren't necessarily part of your daily life all the time, but peripheral enough that you're interested. Kind of like you were talking about your friend that you met there in middle school, where you're like, mm-hmm. you know, there was something about me, that something about them that draw drew them, you know, right. to, drew me into them. Uh, but then, you know, making the effort to go the extra mile. And then parents, you know, a lot of times uh, you, you do make relationships with your children's you know, the, the friends, well, how do I say this? Sorry, I'm, I'm tripping over my words. Now you're, you have your children in school and those, you know, become those parents become your friends then a lot of times. So it becomes right. kind of built in, in terms of friendships for you. Um, but probably one of the most important times in your life to have these friendships with those parents is while everyone is in school, because you do need to depend on one another. Um, So volunteering at the school is great, but also, you know, understanding that um, especially new moms, you know, that's a very hard transition. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the park and you see a mom out there with her kids and you're new to an area, new to a city, walk up there, say hello, introduce yourself. And maybe by the end of that few minute conversation, you could exchange numbers. And maybe that's, you know, someone you could go for a walk with, with the kids, or again, it's someone new in the community that can help you meet new people too, through their friend group. Again, you know, you kind of want those tentacles to reach out there. 
So those are some different categories, Kirsten, that, you know, you could look at, um, I think are very normal categories for us as we go through those seasons of life. Um, but, and again, a lot of the tools that we talked about here could apply to those different capacities. Um, but also think about what is it that you need in your life at that time? What is the highest priority need for you? Um, and then go from there. You know, you're not trying to solve it all at one time. Um, you want to kind of chip away at it, but understand like, where is the, where is the isolation coming from when you, within, within you, where is maybe the depression or, or, um, or the sadness or, you know, and, and figure out, you know, how to take that first step and what feels doable to you right now. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say, you know, most of us have an inner critic and it crap talks us and it brings fear with it. It brings fear. It says, Hey, fear, let's come and and make this crap talk that I'm doing uh, valid. Let's make this person feel scared, scared of rejection, scared of judgment. I mean, that I think comes with us, uh, from childhood, probably all the way to the end in some way. And, you know, we kind of have to push through that because if we don't, then there we are without a village, being afraid, feeling lonely. And I always try to remember that whatever anybody else is going through, it's likely not that much different than what I'm going through. Cause everybody tends to think I'm the only one that feels insecure or scared or is afraid of rejection. Even the most confident looking person probably has some amount of that. And so, you know, if, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Right. Sure. Right? Exactly. So you might as well, you might as well put yourself out there. I, yes. Rejection doesn't feel great, but it's not the end of the world. It, no. And you can do hard things, you know, and, you and do and, hard and, things. Yeah. And you've survived up to this point, the, all the worst days of your life, as they say, you know, and, um, that's the last thing I guess I'll say. My therapist, whom I love very much, said to me, you know, you can sit there and anticipate all the things that could go wrong. And maybe it will. Maybe some of those things will happen. She said, but it's not really helping you to sit there and like let no. yourself down that rabbit hole. It so she said, so if it does happen, you have the tools to be able to get through it, even if it hurts, even if it takes some healing. Um, but I think we're so worried about feeling pain and we're so worried about being uncomfortable. We're so worried about that rejection that we want to just protect ourselves constantly from anything that doesn't feel good. Yes. And that's, you don't grow from that. So indeed, Florence <laughs> Ann, it's flown by. Thank you I know, so much. Oh gosh, I know. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming on Freedom for Humans. Is there anything else you want to mention in, um, other than Build Your Village, a guide to finding joy and community in every stage of life? And you can find Florence Ann at florenceann.com. Anything right. else? And follow me on social media too. I answer every DM. I'm here for you as your virtual village. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to meet you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.